When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Series 4, Episode 3 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. We're talking Captain Paul Pogba's Man of the Match performance against Leicester and his spat or non-spat with Jose Mourinho and Luke Shaw's performance and much more in a 2-1 win against Leicester City at Old Trafford. We're also giving you our regular extensive youth and loan roundup as always and some talk about a doctor of football at Man United. Jack, the start of the season has come about ridiculously quickly. But it's been and gone now. United win at Old Trafford to start it off. Not hugely convincing at all, but what did you make of it? Very similar to last season uh, at the end of the day, I think. Nothing like nothing like the barnstorming start to last season, but very similar to a lot of our games, especially our away games last season, where despite getting a win uh, and ultimately getting three points, which is obviously the main thing, we just didn't control the game. Um, it usually wasn't so much of a problem at Old Trafford last year, but... In our away games, we very, very rarely controlled and dominated the game. We used to get pinned back in our half a lot, and the exact same thing happened against Leicester. In some ways, scoring that that goal so early on almost seemed like the worst thing that could have happened to us because we just went back into our shell. We seemed to just sit back and allow Leicester to come onto us, and we know Leicester are a pretty dangerous side, and we almost paid for it at the end, obviously, with uh, Vardy getting the goal right at the death. So there were some positives to take for sure. Um, obviously, Luke Shaw, for one, being probably the biggest positive. Um, great performance by him, repaying Mourinho for you know going back to him and not uh, not getting rid of him over the over the summer. Pogba coming back early from training. Oh, sorry, from uh, his holiday in the World Cup. Apparently, having a brilliant week of training, being captain of the side, putting in a man of the match performance, and obviously opening opening the scoring from the penalty spot. So there were some definite positives to take. Uh, Andreas Pereira, Bai, and Lindelof also had good games, but some worrying signs just in the way that we played, and that doesn't seem like too much seems to have changed from last yeah. season. The the issue you mentioned at the very start of what you were saying was the the fact that we we went up early and then sat back, and how many times did we see that last season? And how many times did did it come back to punish us? As you say, and it didn't against Leicester. Luke Shaw scoring to to make sure that Vardy didn't. But uh, take the Leicester game last season at the King Power, yeah. rather than Old Trafford. Harry Maguire scoring late on to make it two two. After we, I think we'd come from behind in that game to make it two one, and then we sat back and Harry Maguire scored late on. And it was around that Christmas time festive period where that kept happening to us. And if that's not a lesson we've learned from last season, then it, it is a concern. But at the same time, first game of the season, difficult circumstances for all the people saying Mourinho's complaining too much and, and all that kind of stuff. Yes, he's a bit glum and a bit frustrating, 
but he hasn't got the signings he wanted, clearly, because he's moaning a lot. And most of his key players are yet to be back to full fitness. Even Paul Pogba was said he was struggling after after half an hour. Lukaku could only come on at 60 minutes, and the man he replaced, Marcus Rashford, our new number 10, was struggling anyway, and that's why he came off, because he was lacking fitness after coming back from the World Cup. So it's not for a start to the season after a World Cup campaign, not perfect, but it's positive to get a win at least. And I, I guess perhaps... The reason it looks less less good is because City had a very good start to the season. Chelsea had a very good start to the season. So did Liverpool. But Paul Popper definitely probably the, the the biggest positive of the night of the Friday night um, man of the match performance after only a couple of days of training and scoring as a captain is a pretty perfect way for Popper to start the season. Absolutely, just what we wanted to see him coming back. I was really shocked actually to see him get the the captain's armband. Really, really happy for him. I think, you know, I I thought it was maybe a bit of an olive, olive branch from, from Mourinho to sort of say to Pogba, you know, here's the added responsibility. You're a World Cup winner now. Go and prove it out on the pitch. And he did just that. It was a great performance. Like you said, coming off only, I think it was four days of training. I think he only rejoined with the squad on Monday and obviously played Friday night. So, in all, I mean, it was a great performance regardless of the circumstances. But when you take those circumstances into account, it just makes it even better he really seemed to thrive on the extra responsibility that comes with being captain. When, when we did have the ball, he was the one dictating play. There was no no major defensive issues in his work either. He seemed pretty good uh, defensively, especially compared to what we've seen from him in some, some of the games in his first couple of seasons back at United. I think playing in a three alongside both Fred and Pereira helped. Um, but yeah, Pogba was very, very good. It was a major sort of pressure reliever whenever we managed to get the ball back and Leicester were penning us in. He was always the one getting us out. Uh, the quality he has to beat a man is so, so impressive because when we are sort of under a bit of pressure like that and we need someone to get us out, buy us a free kick, you know, get us up the pitch, buy our defence some time, he's always the one that has the ability to beat one man, draw a foul, bring us up the pitch and then play a, a great through ball to start a counter-attack. And he did that so many times against Leicester. It was a great performance. Now we just hope we just got to hope he can sort of maintain that level across the whole season because this isn't the first time we've seen a performance like that from Pogba and that's never been the issue since it's come to United. We all know the quality he has. We all know how well he can play. The issue has just been, you know, pr- producing that on a consistent basis. Yeah. So that's really the challenge for Pogba now. But you couldn't really have asked for a better start to the season from him personally. Even just the fact that he played he played eighty minutes. You know, it seems seems like not only he does he. Want to uh, want to be playing for United, but he really wants to be the focal point of that team. Obviously, cutting short his uh, his holiday to come back early, only uh, playing after only four days of training. Apparently, he had one of the best weeks in training that anyone's had um, since Mourinho came back to United, and sort of forced Mourinho to to play him. Mourinho then said he only expected to get fifty or sixty minutes out of him. Ended up getting eighty. So all of those signs were really really positive. We'll come on to the comments he made after the game, um, after the game soon, which maybe were a little bit less positive. But on the pitch, it was all all good signs from Pogba. Yeah, it's exactly that kind of mature performance that we that we want consistently from Pogba, rather than the incredible performances every week. That's that's not really realistic to get, even from from the best midfielders in the world. And yeah, it's it's not just about the goal. It's it's mainly about that overall performance. Uh, no one completed more dribbles than Pogba in the in the Premier League this weekend. And it's the balance of the midfield looked better than it has for a while with Fred providing something different to Pogba, even though they they were quite often playing some similar diagonal balls. 
Andreas Pereira providing something. We spoke about this in one of the preseason episodes. Pereira providing something different to both of them in those those vertical passes um, through the through the lines of defence. But yeah, the the comments after the game, and I, I guess handing Pogba the captaincy for Mourinho is a uh, is kind of holding out the olive branch. But it's given Pogba's comments, it may seem like maybe something has happened inside that has kind of forced Mourinho to to make what to say what he did say after the game, which was very very positive about Pogba and Shaw actually, and maybe something's happened within the club. That has made Marino realise he has to has to do that. Whether that's something from Edward Wood, Mina Raiola, Paul Pogba himself, etc. But Pogba, Marino very positive on Pogba. Pogba didn't mention Marino once in an eight-minute interview in the mix zone after the game, but did say there are things I cannot say, otherwise I will get fined. And in saying that, he he kind of he clearly wants people to take something away from from what he's saying. Yeah, I think. To, to be fair, I, I actually think that some of the best football journalism I've seen in this country in a long time came after after these comments. There was the usual sort of smattering of reactionary uh, sort of journalism afterwards, but there was actually some very, very good pieces about maybe the real reason behind some of what Pogba was saying. And I think the one that I really agree with is just, I think it was Pogba showing the power that he has at United, because I think Pogba realises that if push comes to shove and it comes down to a straight choice between Pogba and Mourinho, the club are going to choose Pogba. And I firmly believe that because the way it's looking at the moment, well, not even just the way it's looking at the moment, you know, you look at, at Pogba and Mourinho, it seems like Pogba is going to be around at United for much longer than Mourinho. It seems that Pogba is the one who's more sort of integral to our to our future. He's the one that's more vital to us going forward. A manager can be replaced. You know, there are other top managers around the world, but there are very few players not necessarily not few few players of Pogba's quality, but we spoke about this before. Basically, no player in world football that has the skill set that Pogba has and, and the combination of qualities that he has. And I think it was Pogba almost flexing his muscles and saying to Mourinho, you've given me this olive branch and it needs to continue because if the club are forced to choose between you and me, they're going to choose me every day of the week. And I genuinely think that that played a big part in what it was. There was some read some very good articles about it, so fair play to... A lot of the journalists who were writing about that, it was sort of Pogba's way of saying, this is what I can do. This is how great I am. You need to keep, sort of stay on my good side in a way, if you know what I mean. Um, not not exactly what you want at the start of the season from the guy who's just captained your team. But I think, I don't necessarily think it was Pogba saying that he's really unhappy and he wants to leave. It was almost more of a warning to Mourinho. There obviously is some sort of tension there because if everything was was plain sailing and really great between them. You'd probably see more interviews from Pogba being like what Lukaku said last season, who says Mourinho's sergeant and calling him a serial winner and things like that. So obviously there's some kind of tension there. I don't necessarily think it was Pogba sort of trying to force a move. Yeah. Like some people said right after, I think it was more Pogba showing the power that he has within the club. And he's right. I argue that maybe outside of Ed Woodward, he probably is maybe the most powerful guy at the club at the moment. Yeah, but it's not what you want from from your captain at the start of the season, although he's not officially United's captain. But at the same time, he also said other things in that. There was a good piece by Rob Dawson on uh, ESPN who said it was an eight-minute interview where very little controversy happened apart from about eight words. 
And another thing you said is, I always loved the club. I came in the academy. I grew up. I played for the first team. For me, it was a dream come true. And wearing the armband, it's even more of an honour because of the past and the players who've worn it. And then he spoke about people like Rio Ferdinand, Vidic and Evra. Um, and then spoke about people like Chiellini and Buffon at Juventus. And that's the kind of thing that you do want to hear from your captain at the start of the season. So, yes, obviously, yeah, exactly. things are not perfect. But most of the knowledge about the situation at the moment is that Edward Wood will stick to his guns and refuse to sell Paul Pogba. And people are, are very certain that that will happen. And at the same time, people are also certain that Pogba won't try and force a move out of United. And that gives United and Mourinho and Pogba and Woodward a season to work their differences out or a season for something, some other resolution to, to work out. And Mourinho probably knows at this point, given that he doesn't have the chance to sign a replacement for Pogba, that there is no point making the situation worse. And so at least until January and probably until next summer and possibly further on, that he's probably not going to win a battle against Pogba. And so on Friday in his press conference before the Brighton game, which is on Sunday, we'll probably see Mourinho praise Pogba again and possibly see him have the captain's armband again against Brighton. Yeah, if, there's, so, if there's one thing Mourinho understands, it's power and politics within a football club. And he understands the position that Pogba, being a World Cup winner, being the captain and playing so well and the comments he's made, he Mourinho understands the position that puts him in. And I don't, I agree with you, I don't think that he'll come out and be antagonistic towards Pogba. I think he'll probably slap a load of praise on him um, and sort of rub up to him in the next few weeks to try and keep him on side. And yeah, try and work out the, diff- the differences that are obviously there, um, but try and get Pogba focused on you know, what happens on the pitch because we've seen when both of them are just focused on getting the best out of Pogba you know, against Leicester, we saw what he can yeah, do. Yeah, the other major positive, Luke Shaw, a very good finish for his goal and first, first professional senior goal for Luke Shaw, which is incredible when you think um, he's been playing <laughs> for half a decade now, I think, which is astonishing given his age. But yeah, very good finish and... Actually, we we uh, we saw him have a have a similar chance in the first half when Fred played a, a crossfield ball to Shaw. He took it down, gave it to Mata, who played the one-two, and then Shaw's shot was safe. So twice in the first game of the season, and that kind of shows finally some attacking threat on the left that isn't just futile crossing. Yeah, it was a breath of fresh air to have a natural, a naturally left-footed left back playing, and one who's so willing to go forward. We've we've seen so much of Darmian and Ashley Young playing left back in the last season or two. And, you know, they do a job, especially Ashley Young had a pretty good season. But it was really, really nice to see someone who's naturally left-footed can offer us some proper width down the left-hand side and is so willing to get forward. It was especially nice because Sanchez has a tendency to to drift in field a lot. Um, and he and it sure was the one really offering us that width on the left-hand side. He found himself with a lot of space down there. Yeah, like you said, he's got in some really, really good areas. Wasn't always found with the right passes, but the couple of times he did... One time, like you said, he got a shot away, gets saved. The second time, recovers from a truly awful touch that managed to somehow turn into a great uh, loop over the defender and puts him with a great finish. It was very, very difficult to keep that finish down. The ball was sort of like shoulder height, I guess, and he managed to get his foot over the top of it and keep it down. It's a really good finish. And and as it turned out, ended up being the match winner. Um, obviously ended up being a really, really important goal. Just just the all-round performance, though, and I was really pleased that Mourinho acknowledged that after the game. It wasn't just the goal. Even if even if Shaw hadn't have scored, he still would have had a really, really solid game. He was very good defensively, other than 
one moment probably where he was arguably fouled by Vardy um, ended up didn't not coming to anything thank, thankfully but other than that one moment he was brilliant throughout the game very solid defensively it was a good outlet down the left hand side rarely gave the ball away got into some good positions just yeah another really big positive another player who seems to have had his differences with Mourinho but as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago went off to Dubai did some some workouts on his own during uh, sort of before pre-season and hopefully this now is the start of him turning over a new leaf he's he's said all the right things in pre-season about wanting to earn himself a new contract and uh, and fight his way back into the first team which is just what you want to hear and like with Pogba this is just the perfect way to start the season for him yeah you mentioned that one mistake from Shaw, but apart from that, and you, th- you thought when you saw that defence, it could be at a, uh, an oh-no moment, Mourinho's going to pick this out and, and not have the faith in it. But didn't mention it, said he played very well, praised him like he did Pogba. And I think that also shows that thing we mentioned about Mourinho a second ago, which is now the transfer window's closed and he can't get any re- more players in. We probably will see uh, more, a, a mildly more charming Jose Mourinho. Um and that probably applies for, for all players. We'll see whether it applies to Anthony Martial as well, but because uh, he obviously could still be sold before the transfer window is closed because um, European clubs can still buy players. But it, it's shown with Shaw and Pogba in the first game and hopefully we see it continue because it does, it does just improve the mood around, around the club. Um, in defence, though, probably helping the fact that, that Shaw could go forward is Victor Lindelof and Eric Bailly playing only their second... Um, they're only the second time they've started together, and the other was in pre-season this year. Despite by joining the club two years ago and Lindelof last season, and looks pretty solid. And that that is the partnership that we've both said we want um, together playing for United because those are probably our two best defenders at the club right now. Yeah, totally agree. I, um, that is definitely our strongest partnership at the moment. No idea why they haven't played together before. Now is pretty remarkable when you think about it. I mean, I know by he's been injured quite a lot. But you think about the amount of games we played last season and the fact that that combination was never used and the amount of times we saw you know, either Smalling or Jones come in instead. It's pretty pretty incredible when you think about how long they've been at the club together and the fact they've never played a competitive game with, uh, together before now. But it was a really, really solid game from both of them. I think you know, we've, we've long said that Baye is, is, the, is the best defender at the club and I still think he is, if he can stay fit, He's one of the best defenders in the league, without a doubt. He has all the attributes that you need. He's relatively comfortable on the ball. And I think he does well with Lindelof. They're, they complement each other pretty well in their styles. Lindelof is very comfortable on the ball. And that really helps as well because it, it means that we can rely on the centre-backs more so than we can when it's, say, Smalling and Jones or Smalling and Bailly um, to help sort of launch some of our attacks from the back. Yeah, I was really, really pleased with with the way that they played. I thought... I was a little bit nervous going into the game about how they would they would do together. Um, I think they're both, like as I said, I think they're our two best centre-backs at the club, but when you've got a partnership that's never played together before, it can always be a bit rocky starting off, um, especially after seeing us play three at the back so much in pre-season. I wondered how they'd get on, but they did really, really well. Leicester aren't the easiest team to play against, and we had some issues with uh, James Madison in the first half, but I think in general, Baye and Lindelof were great. Comfortable on the ball, didn't make any any mistakes, and the few times where they were sort of put in danger, they both came out of it really, really well. It was very, very positive signs for both of them. And now, really, I just want to see that partnership being given a lot, a lot longer now to grow because there's no need to drop either of them unless they get injured. 
for me, they're comfortably better than any of the other centre-back options that we have. There's no need for rotation. They should get a long run in the side now for me and see if that partnership can become something that can flourish in the long term because we know how good Bayer can be. And Lindelof had an inconsistent first season, but he he does have some talent and we've seen that he can play well when he can stay fit. Um, it's just about him becoming a bit more consistent um, and also having a consistent partner to play alongside. It's a big part of being a centre-back. So hopefully him and Bailly can be that now. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and if they can be, then that again is like a like a new signing. We've already called Andreas Pereira a new signing. We've called Luke Shaw potentially a new signing. Um, and we've also weirdly called Paul Pogba a new signing if he can if he can replicate some of his latter World Cup performances. But um, an- another nice thing to see as well as Lindelof and Bailly was the fact that United for about 10 or 20 minutes played at a midfield three of Pereira, Pogba and McTominay. Um, all three of them academy graduates of the club, which is, um, yeah. I saw someone say it reminded them of, of Beck Skulls, Giggs and um, and Nicky Butt. And it just, it, it's a it's a nice achievement. Obviously, Pogba and Pereira both brought into the club at, at young ages as teenagers and then played in the academy. But it's, it's nothing to sort of discard and say they... I mean, their careers were were completely shaped by their their training in the United Academy at at Carrington. So they they are considered to be full academy graduates. And McTominay obviously being at the club, I think since he was nine years old. So uh, another one, and and the balance that midfield looked good as well. And Fred had a had a first good first Premier League performance. Um, another new signing, not Fred, but Diego Dallo. Um, his his return to fitness target was September, set in Jose Marino in preseason, and and reportedly that's on track. He should be back in training um, by the end of the week, apparently, which would be good. And we've spoken about the Pablo Marino story, but the other big story of the week is about a uh, a director of football um, being appointed by United, possibly before the end of the season. Now we've. Uh, I think the first time we probably said we wanted the director of football was series one of this podcast, which must have been 2015 because it was the year we won the FA Cup under Van Gaal. Yeah, Van Gaal. And I think season. we did. I think we did a managerial special. And if my memory's right, it was series one, episode 12. If anyone wants to listen, the quality of it's probably not great. But I think at that in that episode, <laughs> we said United need a director of football, and. I've seen a lot of United fans who have said the same thing at some point now saying this is Edward Wood trying to undermine Jose Mourinho. And the point is Jose Mourinho will work best and United will work best if there is someone that isn't Edward Wood, a former accountant and banker who helped the Glazers to, to impose their £500 million debt on the club. United, the club, the manager, the players, the staff will all work much better if there's someone who actually understands football and has, has experience in that role controlling the transfers and ensuring there's a, a long-term vision at the club which seems to be lacking in in huge amounts at the moment so um the independent have suggested that monchi who was at sevilla and is now at uh roma as a director of football is being considered um as well as fabio Peratici, who i think used to be at spurs if my football manager memory serves me correctly but I could be very wrong on that. Um, and Edward van der Sar has also been linked, but his role at Ajax is more like a CEO, is more like Ed Woodward kind of thing of bringing commercial sponsors and stuff. So that seems like very, very unlikely. But direct of football, one word to start with, good or bad? Good. Yeah, um, agreed. Because it's all about that long-term vision thing. And to be honest, 
the signings that Mourinho has made, I think, 90%, not even 90%, I think overall we can say Mourinho has made good signings at United. Henrik Mkhitaryan, yeah. we ended up trading effectively for Alexis Sanchez, but while he was at United, helped us to win Europa League. Didn't cost huge amounts. I think he cost uh, 26 million. And then we replaced him with Alexis Sanchez, who is a player exactly in the mold of the kind of player the United, the United kind of desire. That kind of Gareth Bale-like player, hardworking, very talented, um, and fits United's style of play, fast, powerful, and, um, and, and, and proper quality. And then we've seen other good signings in Pogba, Lukaku, Bay, and Lindelof could still end up being good signings. I think Bay, we can we can say he's a good signing. Lindelof, where the, yeah. the the jury's still out. I think overall Mourinho signings would be good, but there is clearly tension between Woodman and Mourinho, and there needs to be someone who is separated from the commercial side of things, as well as being separated from the the management side of things, who aren't completely under pressure, depending on the results, which Mourinho is. So obviously he's going to have a have a strained relationship if he's not getting exactly what he wants. So there needs to be more communication between football and commercial side of things. I think a director of football will give us that. Liverpool have, I think Liverpool have a three-man committee, a three-man transfer committee. City have a director of football and another person who's who's involved in the transfer stuff. And United kind of need to, United are kind of playing catch-up with the, the future of football at the moment. Yeah, exactly. We need... We need someone between Mourinho and Woodward who can sort of bridge that gap because Mourinho is obviously the football man. He's the one who sort of is is charged with understanding what players he needs, who's going to fit in the squad, that kind of thing. Ed Woodward is the man in charge of deciding how much money we we can outlay on a player, how much we can afford to pay. He he's the one who decides, you know, how can we market this player, things like that. Another reason why Pogba is so powerful with the club because of the way. People like like Edward Wood, Edward Wood at the club have sort of used Pogba as a great marketing tool for the club, which is which is all well and good. Every club needs someone like that, but there needs to be someone in the middle who can sort of broach that gap, someone who understands both the business side of, of the transfer market and the football side of the transfer market to sort of bring those two back together because it definitely seems like there's a big gap between Mourinho and Woodward at the moment. They're just not on the same page. As you said, we spoke about this at length a number of times about how we think a director of football would be a good idea. Um, not not because it's someone to take power away from Mourinho, but it's someone who can almost be a power broker between Mourinho and Woodward um, and sort of stop that infighting and just make, make the whole process a bit more a bit more streamlined, a bit more efficient for both of them because it seems like Mourinho and Woodward are just at loggerheads at the moment with such different ambitions and different things, like different priorities in each of their heads. Um, and a director of football would help kind of sort that out a little bit. Yeah, it's an interesting position, director of football, because it takes it takes someone who understands both sides of things, as I said. So there aren't that many people in in football, you'd say, who are qualified to to do that. It's definitely not just being a scout, and it's definitely not just being someone who can <coughs> excuse me, someone who can run the accounts. So it'd be interesting to see who we do appoint. Not don't know too much about the uh, the two people who have who have been linked with it so far, but both of them seem to have a lot of experience in these kind of roles before. To be honest with you, anyone, just getting that structure set up would would be a step in the right direction, even if the person isn't necessarily the best person out there. Just having that structure in place would really help, I think. Um, just sort of be be that guy who can come in between Mourinho and Woodward and help sort out the process of getting transfers yeah. done. And as you said, who isn't, 
who isn't completely bound and under pressure by results on the pitch. You know, they can be there for a little bit longer with less immediate pressure on their job and able to really get get into the club, understand the the priorities of all the people involved and then come to figure out the best way to go forward with transfers. Yeah, it's also worth saying that the um, reports are that United would get a director of football once uh, the restructuring of the club and expansion of the training facilities would be done, which could be by the end of the season. And for people that haven't seen, and I, it's, it's kind of hard to notice because um, unless unless you kind of see the occasional story about it, you probably wouldn't notice, but there has been a pretty major restructuring at, at United in terms of as a club, in terms of kind of merging that commercial and football side together or separating it where it needs to be. And it kind of started, I guess, when... One of the big first moves was Nicky Butt becoming head of uh, head of the academy, and then we brought in a man called John Murtug to work on head of uh, player development um, at all levels. We've had people like uh, Javier Rebolta come in. He's now left to go to a team in Russia, I think Zenit, um, but he came in to work with the scouting department. We've had Louis van Gaal brought in a few people in the scouting department. They've been they've been kept. New people have been brought in. We've got a new club secretary. A lot's a lot's changed at United in the last five years in terms of the structure of the club inside the kind of stuff that you don't see. Not the players, not the managers, not the coaches, but player development, scouting, networks, commercial side of things, secretaries, um, all that kind of thing. That there has been a lot of change, and I think a director of football will probably be the the final move in what Edward was trying to achieve at the club. And it, it'd be you say we don't really want to take power away from Reno, but there's two people you want to take power away from is. Mourinho and Ed Woodward because we've seen that when they both have when it's just those two against each other as you said two loggerheads going against each other it's it's not the desirable situation yeah exactly it's about it's about being a power broker I, I think between the two it's like trying to give each one the right amount of power in the right situation but not making sure but making sure that one doesn't overlap the other too much yeah definitely and I think probably the most important person to take away power from is Ed Woodward because he's going to be here longer than Jose Mourinho is and he will yeah. have the the lasting impact if there isn't someone to to kind of do his job better than he's doing. Some of the reports say that Woodward would still be involved in the transfers process, which would be pretty classic, um, but hopefully not in in a major role. But one good thing we've seen in terms of um, transfers and contracts is that United are, are confident that David de Gea will sign a new contract. Probably helps by the fact that Thibaut Courtois joined Real Madrid, and de Gea is pretty much not going to leave to go to anywhere else. So. That is a, a very good thing, and hopefully De Gea's could be here for the next decade. Of course, while I was going to stay at Real Madrid and be as good as he has, but being for for Belgium and Chelsea, so that is a, a very good piece of news. Yeah, absolutely. Um, De Gea is probably probably pretty happy they stayed at United now, judging by the uh, the treatment that Courtois has had that, uh, uh, from Atletico Madrid fans since he went back to Real Madrid. And Courtois wasn't wasn't even ever a permanent player at uh, <laughs> Atleti, and De Gea was so. God knows what would have happened to uh, to the Haya if he'd have gone back there to Madrid and gone to Real instead of Atletico. But yeah, uh, if we can get the Haya to sign another long term contract, that'd be absolutely brilliant. So it's sort of weird when you think a couple of years ago how bad things looked in terms of our goalkeeping situation with Romero starting the season, De Gea sort of minutes away from joining Real Madrid, and now it looks like he's on the verge of signing a long term deal. Still looks as good as ever, uh, despite having a relatively poor World Cup. 
but it's just we're so lucky to have have him still at the club I think all, all pray and hail that fax machine <laughs> yeah um, and especially when you see the, the prices for goalkeepers now Chelsea signing um, Caper yeah. for I think £71 million Liverpool with Alisson and, and City last season with, with Edison and the season before with Claudio Bravo um they are they are a rare commodity and want to be appreciated. Now, um, youth roundups are back since the season has started. The under 18s began their under 18 Premier League season, looking to defend the under 18 Premier League North title um, against Derby County. They drew three three, two goals from Mason Greenwood and one from Brandon Williams. And debuts at under 18 level for Ben Hockenhole and Charlie McCann, the latter midfielder who signed from Coventry City um, at the end of last season. The under 23s drew 2 2 against Fulham, a debut at that level for Jimmy Garner, who obviously made his United debut in the, in the pre season tour of the USA. Uh, Angel Gomez and Heath Chong scored the two goals there against Fulham. The under 16s, meanwhile, are in Hong Kong on tour for the second consecutive year. Ridiculously good experience for them and a life changing experience for them, even for the players who, who won't make it United, who won't make it in football. It's, it's one of the best things United do. They go play against Hong Kong sides, various teams. They're streamed online. The, the uh, under 16s have tours around Hong Kong. It's a, a very good thing. Um, and Possibly. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable experience for a 15 or 16 year old to go yeah. to the other side of the world and play football in Hong Kong. It's just incredible for him. Yeah, and it's, it's really important. I know that the academy, that the people who are pushing for more experiences like that within the academy, the reason they do it is because they say to them before they go is that you're representing Man United and you're representing your country when when we go travelling like this. And it happens, uh, they go to Mallorca from the age of 12 for the Copa Mallorca. They go to Hong Kong at 16. They go to the Dallas Cup at 18. They go to a tournament called um, Sparkas and VGH Cup in Germany at uh, 17, I think. There's so many international tournaments United's players are going to now, and it's it's about re- representing United and representing the traditions of the club when you go abroad, and a massive experience for them, whatever they go into in the future. In the under-18s Premier League Cup, United have been drawn against Chelsea, Newcastle and Norwich in the group stages. Fixtures for that aren't out yet, but those are the opposition. Um, and academy graduates from United played a total of 253 minutes against Leicester City on Friday night. More than double Man City's total minutes for academy graduates in the whole of last season, which is a, a, a telling stat. In loan news, James Wilson's joined Aberdeen on loan. Axel Twanderby started for Aston Villa against Wigan. Um, Fossi Mensah has joined Fulham on loan. He was on the bench against Palace for them. Willock is playing for St Mirren. Uh, there's a, a lot of loan moves and, and most of them seem pretty sensible. But Fossi Mensah and Twanderby are both going out on loan, which is interesting. We kind of thought Fossi Mensah might be able to stay at the club and is, a, is an odd decision given that Valencia and Diego Dallo are both injured at the moment. But there it is. Now, Sunday we play against Brighton. A nice long break, which I'm sure Mourinho will be be thankful for given the the fitness of his players for the first game long break from Friday to Sunday and we should have Lukaku Rashford Lingard etc the World Cup boys back ready to play at least 60-70 minutes um, and you can tell us about our, our new feature for, for the new season um, our predictions league yeah I'll, I'll start with uh, with the game before going on to the prediction league really weird scheduling start to the season to have to play on a Friday and, and then the following Sunday. Normally, after playing on a Friday, you'd expect to play to play Saturday. Uh, I mean, the Friday game is probably quite annoying, but now this break is is a good thing for us. Like you said, get all the World Cup boys back. 
almost at full strength now. Uh, obviously, Darlow's still to come back, but all the World Cup guys back. Most of them should be near full match fitness, uh, maybe not quite ready to play 90 minutes, but we should see all of them back. Expect Lukaku to come back in. Um, almost fitting that Lukaku comes back against the team that he missed missed the game against last season when Mourinho sort of said, now you see why I always play Lukaku. Uh, some sort of nice symmetry there. Looking forward to the game, though. I'm interested to see how we play away from home. Um, as I said right at the start, the game against Leicester was similar to the way we played away from home a lot of the time last season. Just sort of not controlling the game and sort of allowing allowing the opposition, no matter who they are, to, to dictate terms to us and we just sort of try and hold on and, and nick a goal at some point throughout the game. So I'm interested to see how we play. I really hope we try and control the game a little bit more. I'd expect pretty much the same team uh, with potentially, uh, with, definitely with Lukaku coming in. I was potentially Lingard coming in down the right um, for Mata, but I'm not really sure. Lingard usually sort of does best for United playing through the middle but with the new three-man midfield, which I don't see changing for this game. I'm not really sure where Lingard fits in. Um, I, I hope he does start on the right because I think he's still pretty good there and offers something a little bit different to Mata who was relatively ineffective against Leicester um, but yeah onto onto the prediction league so obviously any any of you that have listened to us in any previous season will know we always do predictions for, for the game uh, we're going to sort of spice things up a little bit this season make it a little bit more serious uh, a bit of competitive fun between Harry and I so the rules for it are going to be as follows. Every every week we're going to predict uh, whatever United games are up and it's going to go, we're going to both predict the score and a goal scorer. Uh, can be a goal scorer for either team, United or the opposition. And we're going to get one point for getting the correct outcome. So if we predict a United win and United do win, that'll be one point. If we get the correct score, so if we say United win 2-1 and United do win 2-1, that's three points. Um, and then we also predict the goal scorer, like I said. So if that goal scorer, if that player, sorry, scores at any time during the game, that's one point, one extra point. And if they score the first goal of the game, that is an extra two points. So the maximum you can get for any game is five points. Say if for this week I predict United are going to win 2 0 with Lukaku to be the first goal scorer, and that is exactly what happens, then I will get uh, five points for that game. So we'll keep the scores going throughout the whole season, tally them up. Uh, we'll keep you updated with with the scores at the end, um, sort of as we go through. And at the end of the season, we'll we'll tra- sort of put all the results in the table and see where we would have had United finish in and on how many points, how many wins, how many goals, that sort of thing. If all of our all of our predictions are are, are, are relatively accurate, we'll see how we do compared to the likes of uh, of Paul Merson, who gets <laughs> so much crap every week for his predictions. So we'll see if we can do a bit better job. Or than Mark him. Lawrenson, who once predicted, someone worked out the the table at the end of the Premier League season it had Liverpool being unbeaten winning all 38 games <laughs> <laughs> I think Merson's done that with Arsenal and scoring <laughs> like over 150 goals yeah so yeah. interesting um, is that your prediction for the Brighton game 2-0 and Lukaku I'll go 2-1 but stick with Lukaku uh, I'm, see now we've got the predictions league so it's much more under pressure I'm going to come better prepared to <laughs> because normally we just don't want to predict the same thing so you could be really tactical and just predict the same thing uh, every that's week. true but I'm good. next week. I'm going to go much better prepared. I'll have my I'll have my prediction done, my goal scorer done, on my notes. Whereas this <laughs> season, it's a it's all improvised. I'm going to go two one United. Uh, yeah, two one United. First goal scorer to be Alexis Sanchez, even though he wasn't great against Leicester. All right, and we'll we'll switch up who predicts first every week because yeah, that could be true. a bit of an advantage for whoever whoever goes first because they get the first pick. So 
yeah, we'll switch it up every week, but hopefully this will be nice. a fun little segment yeah. to add every week. It will week. be. Add some competition to the podcast. Much needed competition. Cause we, yeah. we seem if to... any of you want to if any of you on Twitter want to get involved as well, keep track of uh of your scores and your predictions, feel free to send them to us every week and we'll we'll make sure to give you a shout out on the podcast and see how you're doing compared to me and Harry. We seem to agree on far too much, so we'll probably add some some much needed competition. <laughs> um so we've both got have we both gone two one for this game yeah. then? And you've got Lukaku, I've got yes. Alexis Sanchez. Right. Well, come on, Alexis yeah. Sanchez then. <laughs> if if United are winning two one and Lukaku scored the first one, I'll be I'll be desperate for us to win three one then. Even more desperate <laughs> than normal. Anyway. I know, I'm I'm in a uh, I'm in a prediction league on Twitter and at the weekend I predicted Liverpool to win three 0 and Salah to score first and I had double points Whoa. on it as well. And then Sturridge just had to oh, come yeah, on and yeah. score in the ninetieth minute and yeah, ruin classic. it. Classic. Um, that's always what happens when it's going your way yeah. anyway that's all we have time for on series 4 episode 3 of the Manchester United weekly podcast thank you as always for listening we'll I mean remember what we predicted and see if we're right um, a lot of a lot of big issues to talk about in that one a nice long one um, we'll probably be back down to a normal half hour as the season progresses as, as things get a little less interesting a little more boring in, in Jose Mourinho's Man United but could be some some spats or non-spats to talk about with, with Pogba Shaw Martial Woodward Mourinho anyway for more from us on the Brighton game and on various news pieces that come out during the week you can follow Jack at at UTD Tate T-A-I-T and you can follow me on Twitter at at Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at, at UTD Weekly Pod that's P-O-D at the end there thanks as always for listening have a great week enjoy the game on Sunday goodbye Network.